Hey everybody, if you have a topic that you want covered or you have questions about any of the stuff that we have covered, shoot us an email at everydayexplorerspod at gmail.com. We're happy to answer any questions that you guys have or uh, cover topics that you guys want covered. Um, So send us an email or also if you guys have done um, the activities or challenges that we've given you at the end of each show, let us know about it. Let us know if you've had success or not as much success as you maybe thought you were going to have. And we'll talk about it during the show. Again, the email is everydayexplorerspod at gmail.com. Happy World Wildlife Day, everybody. Thank you guys for listening today to celebrate World Wildlife Day with us. Um, And it's really special because this episode actually comes out um, on the day. So World Wildlife Day is celebrated every year on March 3rd, and that's today. So happy World Wildlife Day. It's a perfect day of the year to uh, go outside and see maybe what types of animals, birds, bugs, all sorts of good stuff you guys have in your very own backyards. So wildlife doesn't always need to be seen, um, you know, deep in the woods or on the ocean or uh, anything like that. You can really go right in your backyard, look up in the sky and see what types of birds are back there or look down in the grass and see what types of bugs are in there. That might be a little bit more doable for our friends on the West Coast because it's still nice and warm and sunny over here, Um, but on the East Coast, it might be a little bit harder. Even in the cold, though, you'll see those birds up in the sky, so maybe birds will be best for our friends on the East Coast. So in honor of World Wildlife Day today, we are going to go broad. Um, So, so far we've talked about bats, we've talked about polar bears, um, but because World Wildlife Day really celebrates all types of um, animals, uh, we're going to talk all about mammals and reptiles today. So I originally was going to do this episode and talk about birds, bugs, amphibians, mammals, reptiles, everything. Um, And then I realized that this episode is supposed to be 20 minutes or less and it would take way too long to do that. So uh, today we're just going to cover two and I'm sure we'll cover the other ones uh, along the way um, with our podcast at some point. Um, But I figured mammals and reptiles are good ones to start with because everyone loves mammals and I really love reptiles. So if you guys don't like reptiles, you'll just have to deal with it. Um, so let's start with everyone's favorite. The crowd favorite is definitely mammals. We know that mammals are of course, fluffy, fury, furry, fury, furry, uh, and cute. And people are usually obsessed with mammals. So most of the time, if I ask someone what their favorite animal is, it's going to be some type of mammal. So So a tiger, a lion, a dolphin, um, a bear, something, a wolf, something that is cute, furry, and that a lot of people know about. Um, And that actually brings us to our first kind of uh, fancy word. Uh, We kind of have lots of them today, but let's start with charismatic megafauna. So this is something that we hear in the zookeeper community a lot because they are the animals that people go to the zoo to see. Um, Or if you ask someone what their favorite animal is, you usually are going to get one of these animals as the answer. Um, So charismatic megafauna means plant or animal species, usually animals, um, that have large appeal, uh, perhaps due to attractive appearance, Um, or maybe even a global audience. So they're 
pretty much just large animals that are easily identified. So we think elephants, tigers, lions, dolphins, like we said, um, giraffe, rhino, hippo, kind of the big ones, the ones that you think of when you think of wild animals. That's again, charismatic megafauna. And usually when people are talking about charismatic megafauna, they're talking about mammals. So what are mammals? Mammals are animals that have hair like us or fur, like your dog or your cat at home. Mammals also produce milk to feed their young. That's a big one. So that the uh, young can grow big and strong. And finally, mammals are endothermic. That means that we're warm-blooded. So warm-blooded, cold-blooded, we're warm-blooded. And that means that we have a constant internal body temperature. And if your body temperature isn't um, what it should be, that means that you're sick, something like that. So Mammals, again, uh, have hair or fur, they produce milk, and they're warm-blooded or endothermic, if you want to be nice and fancy. So there are over 4,000 species of mammal on Earth. That's a lot. Um, Because, uh, like we said, we have an internal body temperature and hair to protect us, we can, mammals like us, we, um, can inhabit almost every habitat on Earth. So we're able to live in places that are hot, uh, cold, things that other animals might not be able, like reptiles, might not be able to live in. Um, A good example of that is the tundra. So tundra is uh, where the polar bears live that we talked about last week. It's really cold. Mammals can live there, obviously, like polar bears, Um, but reptiles aren't going to be found there. It's going to be a little too cold for them, and we'll talk about why once we get to reptiles. So like we said, for mammals, that's hair or fur, producing milk, and warm-blooded. Mammals are then broken down into three groups. Um, Actually, I was at a show Uh, a program that I was performing at um, a few weeks ago and people were really confused when I talked about how there are three types of mammal. They thought that mammals were categorized by giving live birth Um, and that's not really always the case. So actually mammals are in three groups. The groups are monotremes, marsupials, and placental mammals. So placental mammals are what you think of when we said that, that they give live birth. Um, That's going to be things like humans, monkeys, dogs, cats, and many, many, many more. Um, Placental mammals will give birth to live, fully developed young. So when we think of a human having a baby, they give birth to a little baby, um, fully developed. um, And then, of course, they grow bigger and stronger as they grow. But fully developed, live, young. That's a placental mammal. Marsupials, like kangaroos, koalas, opossums, keep their babies in a pouch. So when marsupials give birth, um, let's say a kangaroo, they give birth to teeny tiny little babies, like usually the size of a raisin, like a little pink raisin. And those babies then inchworm, they can really kind of do, you can look at it on um, YouTube, a kangaroo that had just had a baby, they really kind of inchworm their way up to mom's pouch. They go in the pouch and that's where they continue to develop. Mom will give them milk in the pouch and that's where they grow big and strong. So like I said, they start as a ba- uh, like a raisin baby, and then they get much bigger. Once they do uh, finally get that big, uh, they'll come out of the pouch for a little bit of, de- of time a day, and then they'll go back into the pouch um, until finally that joey, that little baby kangaroo, is too big for mom's pouch, and he's kicked out, but stays with mom, but no longer in the pouch. Those pouches are kind of interesting, too. 
people usually think, um, we have a wallaby that I work with and they usually think that her pouch is going to look like a little pocket on her belly, kind of like in the cartoons. Um, but really it, you can't really see it. Um, it looks more like a belly button, but it's really stretchy. So if you stick your finger in your belly button, it ends, obviously you can't go any further. But for a kangaroo, a wallaby, or any marsupial, that pouch is going to become really stretchy and um, kind of be able to stretch to have a whole baby in there. So it's kind of cool, but doesn't really look like a pocket, like cartoons make them look. So, so far that's placental mammals. They give live birth and marsupials that have pouches where their babies will develop. The last one is the coolest type, if you ask me, and that is they're called monotremes. So monotremes lay eggs. There's only two types of animals that lay, uh, mammals, I should say, that lay eggs, and that's platypus and echidnas. Um, So they will actually lay a clutch of eggs and the eggs will hatch and little mammals come out. Um, So people think that that is something that only reptiles and birds can do, but nope, there are some mammals that do it too. Um, Platypus are definitely like the weirdest type of animal, if you ask me. They have a duck bill, but they have a tail like a beaver. They have venomous spurs, the males do, on the backs of, I think they're on their legs, and they lay eggs. They're totally weird and awesome, and actually they have them at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park, and my husband and I went there and saw them the other day and waited in line for 30 minutes to see them, and they are actually way smaller than I thought they were going to be. They're like shorter than your forearm. So, um, yeah, very strange little animals. So like we said, um, mammals are categorized into three groups, monotremes, lay eggs, marsupials have a pouch and placental mammals, um, give live birth. Okay. So I wanted to try something kind of cool. Um, well, I don't know how cool it is, but we're going to give it a shot. So I wanted to uh, have you guys kind of think there is one continent that has all three types of mammals living on it. So take the next few seconds and say out loud to whoever you're listening with what continent you think that is. Okay, hopefully you said it by now. And if you said Australia, then you are correct. Australia is the only continent country that has all three types of mammals living on it. So they have, um, hopefully you guys got it because platypus and echidnas are only found on Australia. So that kind of gives it away. So uh, not to get too um, Debbie Downer, but also that is why the bushfires that are happening in Australia are so devastating because Australia really is um, or has unique animals um, and obviously very unique animals. They lay eggs. Mammals lay eggs down there. Um, So that's why the bushfires were really so disturbing. Over half a billion to a billion animals were affected by the bushfires. Um, And I'm just very proud of everyone all over the world who raised money and efforts um, to help out wildlife with the bushfires. And I'd just like to give a shout out to the company I work for because we did. Um, We didn't raise a ton of money, but we raised about $700. And we donated it to Wildlife Warriors, which is Steve Irwin's zoo, um, and are affiliated with Steve Irwin's zoo, and uh, to help 
the animals affected by the bushfire. So I'm very proud of our facility. Uh, if you guys can donate to them, that would be great because they still have so much work to do down there um, with rehabilitating uh, wildlife affected by those bushfires. Australia is really a special place for wildlife, that's for sure. Okay, let's take a quick uh, break before we dive into my favorite, reptiles. Welcome back, everybody. It's time to talk about reptiles. Reptiles are some of my favorite animals and some of the most misunderstood animals, I think, especially snakes. Um, so I really like to talk about them and hopefully change people's opinion about them because they are really important to have in our ecosystems. We'll talk about snakes in depth in another episode because I could go on tangent for snake about snakes all day. Um, but today we're covering all reptiles. So when you guys think of reptiles, um, I'm sure the first thing you guys think of is scaly animals and you're exactly right. Reptiles have scales or scoots that cover their whole entire body. They're also ectothermic. So when we talked about mammals, we said that mammals are endothermic or warm-blooded, but reptiles are ectothermic or cold-blooded and rely on sun to warm them up and give them energy. That means on cold, cloudy days, reptiles will be pretty still. They'll find a nice place to relax for the day, um, but on hot summer days, they'll be full of energy, going around trying to find food, or maybe even just basking in the sun, really conserving, getting all that energy to conserve um, to go find food as well. So we talked a lot about how mammals give uh, birth and how they have babies and those are, that's how they are classified as mammals. But reptiles mostly hatch from eggs. Only about 20% of reptiles will give live birth, one of which is garter snakes. So if you're listening on the East Coast right now, um, garter snakes are all over the East Coast, um, especially during spring, summer. That's when they're going to be out and you guys can see them. Um, I've actually been able to witness a garter snake give live birth, and it was amazing. They typically have about 3 to 80 babies at a time, so highly variable. Um, but it kind of depends on the type of garter snake and the conditions. The one I saw give birth had about 20 babies, so still pretty impressive. But like we said, most reptiles are going to hatch out of eggs. So mom reptiles will uh, make nests or dig holes to lay their babies in, or to lay their eggs in, sorry, Um and crocodiles and alligators and some species of snake are actually pretty good moms. A lot of reptiles will just have their babies or lay their eggs and um, kind of let the eggs fend for themselves. They leave the nest, they never come back. But um, crocodilians, and like we said, some species of snake are pretty good moms. They will uh, sit on the eggs, they'll make sure that um, they're safe. And then even when the eggs hatch, the babies will stay with mom um, and mom will kind of get them started in life. So kind of rare in the reptile world, but like we said, crocodilians and some snakes will do that. They'll be good moms. Uh, also pretty cool about crocodilians and some turtles is that they're known to display temperature-dependent sex determination. So what that means is that the temperature of the air around those eggs can determine what gender the hatchlings will be. So for alligator eggs, um, for example, if the temperature was a little lower, around 86 degrees, um, in a study that was done, the eggs would hatch as female. 
But if it was a little hotter, um, about 93 degrees, um, the eggs would hatch as male. So usually a little cooler is going to be female, a little hotter is going to be male, at least for alligators. Um, that is how they, uh, the hatchlings will tell which gender they're going to be. Pretty cool. Now, reptiles are split into four groups. It has a little bit more to do with what they are rather than how they have babies like it was for males or mammals. Um, So the first group is lizards and snakes. Um, And lizards and snakes are going to be the majority of reptiles at around um, 9,000 species or over 9,000 species. So lots and lots of lizards and snakes out in the world. Those are pretty easily identified, um, snakes and lizards. The next group is turtles and tortoises. Um, And turtles and tortoises are a little less than 9,000 species. They've only got about, they're over 300 species, so not quite as many. Again, and terrapins, I should say, in that one too. Again, pretty easy to tell a turtle, terrapin, or tortoise. Um, They're those shelled reptiles. Terrapins spend all of their time in the water. Turtles spend most of their time in the water. I'm sorry, I have that backwards. Turtles spend all of their time in the water. Terrapins spend most of their time in the water. And tortoises spend no time in their water. They're all land for a tortoise. Next is crocodilia. There's 23 species of um, crocodile, caiman, alligator um, out there in the world. So those are, of course, those big teeth, um, dinosaur-looking animals or reptiles, I should say. The last one is kind of not as well-known, definitely not as well-known. There's one species. It's called the tuatara, and they come from New Zealand. So tuatara are um, pretty interesting. We'll do eventually a whole episode on them because they're so crazy. Um, But there's only one living species, like we said. It's an ancient ancient species, um, and it goes all the way back to the dinosaurs. So really, really cool. They're from New Zealand, um, like we said. So reptiles play a huge role in um, ecosystems all over the world. Snakes, of course, are population control. Um, Turtles and tortoises, lizards that maybe even just eat vegetation, also very important to have around. Crocodilians being um, big predators. They're going to be apex predators most of the time, and uh, they play a huge role in population control. So reptiles, even though they're scaly, they're not as fluffy and cute as mammals. They do still have a very important job to do in their ecosystem. And I do think that they're cute, by the way. Um, but like I said, uh, we are celebrating uh, World Wildlife Day today. That's why we talked about those two. We're going to talk about the rest as the podcast goes on. We just couldn't fit it all in in one uh, episode, but that's your basics for mammals and reptiles. As you guys know, each episode we fundraise for an organization, and um, I thought a really good one for this one would be Wildlife Warriors. Again, they're affiliated with the Australia Zoo, um, Steve Irwin's zoo, and they uh, rehabilitate wildlife all over Australia, which they obviously need right now since the bushfires were so devastating um, to the continent So and to wildlife on the continent. So if you sign up on Patreon, patreon.com slash everyday explorers, um, we will donate from this episode uh, to wildlife warriors. Also, you guys know that we give you an activity every single episode. This is an easy activity. Um, 
maybe a little harder than last week's activity. Last week, we just had to put the thermostat down two degrees, and hopefully everyone did. Um, But this week, since it's World Wildlife Day, and we do have wildlife right in our own backyard, uh, what I want to challenge you guys to do, or the activity that I think would be kind of fun and easy, is just go out in your backyard and identify one animal that you see. So look up in the sky. Do you see a red-tailed hawk? Probably they're everywhere. Um, So identify one of those or look down in the grass and if you see a little bug, figure out what the bug is that you're looking at um, and learn something new about those animals. So go online and, and Google and see just if you can learn one thing about that one animal that you saw in your own backyard. I guarantee you if you go out and you really look, you will see one living creature out there. Um, even if you're on the East Coast and it's cold and snowy, I don't know if it's snowing uh, or if it snowed recently back there, but I'm sure it did somewhere. Um, so find an animal in your backyard, identify it, learn one thing about it. If you guys uh, have done any of the challenges, if you have questions about anything, if you want to tell me about the uh, wildlife that you identified in your backyard, email us at uh, everydayexplorerspod at gmail.com. Otherwise, you guys, have a wonderful World Wildlife Day, March 3rd. Celebrate all week, um, and we'll see you next Tuesday for another episode of Everyday Explorers. I got information for this episode of Everyday Explorers from World Atlas, San Diego Zoo, wildlifeday.org, and Science Daily.